This is Connor Kreis, and you're listening to Multiple Eargasms with Kaylee Lauren. Her next guest is Jason Clark. Why am I introducing him? I don't know. I mean, I'll talk, and then Kaylee will talk, and then I imagine Jason will talk. So it's like, uh, what am I thinking about? Oh, a Kaylee sandwich with me and Jason as the bread. Huh. Interesting. Okay. Well, I'm just going to give us a moment to absorb that little intro that Connor totally ad-libbed and feel free to rewind and listen to that again before continuing. You good? Okay. Thank you, Connor, for providing the first of many orgasms for this episode. He sent me this after I had recorded my intro, so I had to record another little thing for my editor to tack on to the beginning. Such a pain in the ass. Well, hello there. I'm so happy to be back with another episode and a narrator guest that I've been looking forward to talking to for a long time. And I have to say this conversation surprised me more than any other I've had so far for this podcast, and I know you'll love it. Audi Sobas and Independent Audiobook Award finalist Jason Clark now has over 500 titles on Audible, and he's very, very popular with the ladies who listen to Romance audiobooks. He has a very distinct, deep, swoony voice, and he's just a fantastically talented actor and a really good guy. You can follow him on Instagram at Jason Clark Reads. That's Clark with an E at the end. Those of you who listen to my audiobooks would know him as Nico Todd from Charmer and Miles Brody, the oldest and grumpiest brother in the Brody Brothers series. Miles's book, Good Vibrations, has finally been published, and the duet multicast audiobook is narrated by Jason Clark and Mackenzie Cartwright, featuring Teddy Hamilton, Zachary Weber, Connor Crace, Emma Wilder, and Emily Ruzeller. In this audiobook, we have Jason Clark being a grumpy, sardonic, devoted single dad of a little girl who desperately wants to be a musical theater star, but she just isn't a good singer. And then Miles falls hard for a sunshiny surfer girl who also happens to be a former Disney Channel star who now writes and directs children's musical theater. Dun dun dun! And uh, Jason sings in this, which we talk about, and I also had him do a bunch of totally superfluous accents, so you're welcome, world. Um, My fans know that I somehow fell really hard for Miles Brody while writing Good Vibrations and the audiobook and the Zoom chat did absolutely nothing to help me overcome my attachment to him, unfortunately. Sorry, Connor. But this interview isn't just about the books that Jason's done for me. I think you'll hear a side of Jason Clark that you probably haven't heard before and learn quite a bit about him. I certainly did. And uh, after the interview, you'll hear a clip from Good Vibrations. So without further ado, Here's my conversation with Jason Epping Clark. All right. I've got questions here. Uh, yeah, did you have a chance to look over that stuff that I sent you? Yeah, yeah, for sure. 
Okay, good. Um, these, it's, it's honestly usual suspects. Um, I know. Yeah, <laughs> the super fans. Jody, Emily, Yael, and uh, I don't know if I've heard from Allison ever. Um, but this yeah, is Allison's yeah. shy, but she's a big fan of yours. But oh, um, so, anyways, uh, so yes. you're the first. You're the only person I've had a Zoom this with uh, this early in the day, besides my therapist. But I didn't okay. hesitate. I'm on the West Coast, but I didn't, yeah. I didn't hesitate to agree to this time because I'm so happy to finally talk to you. Oh, thank um, you. So I was always planning on talking to you on this podcast after you narrated this book and it feels like I've waited forever and I have so many questions for you because of all the narrators I've cast and talked to you're the most mysterious to me oh. um but <laughs> but first I just I want to note that you Jason Clark were the first non-teddy male narrator that I ever cast in one of my self-published audiobooks because until oh. Charmer yeah I thought that I would only ever use Teddy but when I was writing that uh flirtatious singer-songwriter character I just I wasn't hearing Teddy Hamilton's voice in my head while I was working on it I had so much angst about it and yeah. so that was that was the first time that I hired the audio flow as a producer and Jock put some feelers out for casting for that part and I and you know a number of great narrators turned in little auditions but as soon as I heard yours in which you sang and played the guitar a little bit <laughs> I just yeah. I started giggling and I had a very distinct reaction and it was like there he is and I knew uh -huh. you're Nico Todd and and I have to admit that I wasn't expecting that because I guess in the stuff that I'd heard of you uh, before you kind of were always speaking more slowly, I guess. And I don't know if you'd done a lot of rom-coms or at least I hadn't heard you in a lot. And there was so much banter in yeah. Charmer. And so like, I couldn't hear you in my head as I wrote it, but like, I just remember listening to the audition and you were reading the guy and the girl bantering. Cause I wasn't doing duet at that point. And I said to Jock, I was like, I don't even know how he could talk that fast. Like it actually sounded like <laughs> two distinct people it was so yeah. incredible so thank you so you were my gateway to other narrators and it was just uh it was nice to realize that there aren't a limited number of voice actors who are willing to do all the stupid shit that I make actors do in these audio books yeah. and uh and your Nico Todd was just so damn great so thank you for that I also just want to say that for my projects and I know that in general in this business you are widely considered to be one of the best narrators to work with because you're always professional and responsive and you always get your files in on time and or early sometimes and you <laughs> you're just consistently excellent and I've just I've heard that you don't do a lot of pickups too oh, wow. and I'm just I'm just like do you have exceptionally good reading comprehension I'm wondering is that why you don't make many mistakes I'm not sure. I first of all, thank you so much for saying those things. I uh, I I don't know how good I am at responding to things in time, um, but uh, You're I guess when it comes to low number of pickups, I think I don't know. I was always good at cold reading uh, when it came oh. to acting school, and we were handed sides to you know do maybe a mock audition or if I was in for an audition and they had me read for a different character. I just, Oh wow. Maybe just cause I read a lot as a kid, I was able to you really did. pick up things just from looking at text. And I think I just got a lot of practice um, in terms of like switching between characters really quickly. I think, I think I'm, I'm just a, 
crazy guy. I don't know. I, I used yeah, right. I used to do voices a lot as a kid and like <gasps> try to, yeah, like I, I used to hide behind a chair so no one could look at me and I would like do impressions of Ren and Stimpy and, uh, no! I would try, yeah, like little kid, don't like, don't look at me. Um, which I guess <laughs> is perfect, perfect for being an audiobook narrator. Oh my God. No one can see me and I just get to like do these voices, but, um, yeah, I mean, I'll be talking like this and then I'll, you know, switch to this and then I'll go back to this. Like it's, it's just two different oh, registers in my voice. And I, I think studying music helped too. Cause it's like, uh, the, uh, female characters sort of live in a different note register and then I can drop down on a low register for the guys. And, uh, yeah, it, it's just fun to, it's fun to swap. Uh, I did a book, I finished a book a couple days ago that, um, the male main character was an Englishman. Yes, father, go on. His, yeah, right. His father was a Scotsman. His best friend was French Canadian. Oh my God. Uh, his love interest was uh, an American from Chicago. And I, I had to do a scene with all four of them. And I, <gasps> it wasn't perfect, obviously. And I, but I was well, like, oh man, this, I is, bet it was. this is really just, uh, if you could see me right now, I'm doing the circle on top of the head, circle on the stomach, kind of like trying to yeah. balance and, you know, so many different, uh, it's, it, it really is, you just have to kind of go into a flow state and get lucky or else it's just a lot of stopping and starting. Which is Do you love it though? Yeah, it's super fun. Yeah, yeah. I love I love doing accents, and okay, uh, I mean, hopefully they're good. Yeah, they are. But, <laughs> thank you, Kaylee. But I, you know, you, we began this with you know you said such kind things to me, and I, I I've been so happy to get to work on your books. And I remember auditioning for Charmer, and oh. um, the team that sent me the audition and the materials said like we'd also you know if you can we'd like to hear you sing and play guitar. And I think it was summer 2020, right? I believe that was it. It was right after lockdown. Yeah. So I remember I was staying at a house up in, uh, like, out of the city. Oh. And uh, I was recording out of a tiny closet. And no I way. Think I was, yeah, I think I was, like, in the middle of dinner or something. <laughs> and I got the email and I read through it. And I was like, oh, this sounds fun. You know, I'm trying to get a lot of work because it's a crazy time. Everything's so uncertain. And then I was like, oh, and I have my guitar. And I, I couldn't fit the guitar into the closet. And <laughs> the door. So I had to, I was so scrunched up trying to like act with this guitar around. Oh my, my God. Because he sings a song to, to summer. summer. Yes. Yeah. And I remember kind of making up the melody, but I was so cramped with all these clothes around me and the neck of my guitar. Oh my God. Door. And uh, so that was, I don't know, a little behind the scenes. Okay. Part. But do you know, do you want to know something funny? We actually ended up using your audition take for that song in the oh. audiobook. Oh, wow. It was oh, so no. good. Cause you so can actually, good. well, cause you could actually, I think you can hear the guitar a little louder okay. in your audition take. Yeah. I, I wonder what that was. Um, maybe I was just uh, just trying to show, hey, this is what the guitar would sound like. Maybe probably, it yeah. yeah. It's oh that's so funny. And I love that you yeah. actually remember because you've probably recorded like 300 titles since then. So I wasn't that's even sure lot. if you yeah. remembered Charmer, but it um, was I mean it's certainly unique. It's very rare. I mean, I I don't think I've ever played guitar for any other auditions for V. Really? <laughs> Yeah, no, I think that's the first. So yeah. I uh I'm such an asshole for making people. <laughs> no, do that it's stuff, cool. But I love that. that 
Yeah. Uh, okay, so we're going to talk about all this stuff, but I actually wanted to get back to reading for a second. You said that you read a lot as a kid, so I've actually noticed in the times that I have heard you talk to other people that um, that for pleasure, you seem to read the same kind of books that I have for most of my life, which is like contemporary American literary fiction like I like you had yeah. mentioned Jennifer Egan somewhere I think oh yeah and yeah. I loved I loved a visit from the goon squad so much and I've had so. a I've had Manhattan Beach sitting on a side table in my living room for three years I think yeah, I don't have time I, to read it but I gave that as a gift to an ex-girlfriend oh. and I am now like regretting letting her keep it because I never read it oh um, <laughs> I, I started reading it there's a she father daughter a, thing. Yeah, yeah, it's like old New York, right? And yeah. and she came out with a new she came out with a new book recently. Oh, she did? Um, oh, I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah. And it it's kind of like dystopic a little bit. Oh, okay. Uh, Interesting. It, it touches on what visit now so we could talk about this for a long time, but it touches yeah. on what visit from the goon squad's about, which is like sort of oh. changing media and it's sort of about the future. And I okay. don't know if I can, I don't, I, it probably is going to depress me if I read it. Cause it's like kind of all about how things are becoming really like automated and like, uh, <laughs> and like they're developing things that can kind of like read your mind a little bit and tell okay. you like, it's just, it's so freaky. So I don't, I might have to like wait it's like right around it, the but, corner. Yeah. I don't want to read that either. But, um, but anyway, so that's, it, have you read like Jonathan Franzen? Did you read? Oh no, I uh, I'm a I'm a big David Foster Wallace fan. Oh my god, contemporary. I know I'm a I'm a big cliche, but he was um, <laughs> really contemporary with Jonathan Franzen. So Very much I, so, yeah. Yeah, my sister really likes him too. But all I the Davids and the Jonathans. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Do you do you like Jonathan Franzen? I was obsessed with um, with Freedom when it Freedom came out. Right. I didn't I didn't love the corrections for some reason. I really gotcha. didn't get into it. But um, have you ever read Jonathan Tropper? Do you know no. who he is? He wrote no. This Is Where I Leave You, which did not make a good movie. I don't know if you remember when that came out. It was like oh. <laughs> Jason Bateman and Tina Fey. It was a great cast. It just wasn't, it didn't okay. work as a movie. But he writes uh, humorous novels about dysfunctional families and characters. And, you know, they're, they're lighter. They're less cerebral than David Foster Wallace, for sure, sure. much more likable. But um, I think that the way that I write from the male POV was somewhat influenced by his books, yeah. which is kind of I'm interesting. Down. This is where I leave you. Right. This is where I leave you. He has a, and I don't think he's actually published anything in the last decade. He's probably been writing movies, but um, huh. but anyway. So I love that you said that you were doing voices when you were younger. So were you a theater nerd in your youth, or did you just like entertaining people in your living room? It wasn't until I, I was mostly like a music nerd early on. Really? Um, yeah, like in the band? Yeah. You were in the school band? I was in orchestra, uh, wow. which I can't tell is even nerdier. Um, yeah, the choir of? and orchestra. I played violin. Um, really? Yeah, oh, I didn't, same as I Zach, didn't, right? <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Interesting. I didn't get into theater, like actually start enjoying it until late high school. And then I went to college for music and theater. And, okay. Uh, I, but but I did shows when I was like a kid, middle school age, and I didn't like them. My mom kind of made me. And Interesting. I, like, I think it was like a summer thing. Yeah. So okay. She she like would get me out of the house during the summer. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, like, I want to stay home and play video games. And uh, yeah, sure. So I don't know, and it, it, it became kind of this thing 
where I was able to make friends. Um, a lot of my uh, closest friends that I'm still in touch with, I made friends with by playing video games with them and doing shows with them <laughs> and doing choir and like going on trips or like, uh, like our oh, choir wow. went on a cruise once. Yeah. And it's just like some of my favorite memories were like being backstage with friends and screwing around. Um, but it wasn't until like, yeah, late college or like high school and into college that I was like, Oh, maybe I could try and like use some skills that I have to try and like make money doing this. Cause I didn't know what yeah. else I would do necessarily, but I don't know. It just felt right at the time. And I'm still kind of figuring it out, but uh, audiobooks is, I mean, it's becoming my full-time job. So that's. Yeah, I'll bet. Wait, so, so when did you move to New York? I moved to New York when I was 21. So that was, uh, this is going to date. Well, you don't have to say, I don't need a year. I'm just, so it was like right after you graduated from college, basically. Immediately. Actually, we graduated early. Our program had us graduate early so we could move to the city early and start working. Um, Oh, wow. And yes, we like overloaded our credit hours and stuff. So we got (laughs) to um, I got to come to New York before we even like walked at graduation. Uh, Oh, wow. Wait, so so are you the kind of person who had like a five year plan or you just were like, okay, New York, here I am. That's a good question. Um, it was, we, we had a teacher ask that question. It, oh. was, uh, it was just, yeah, it was this notoriously blunt class that he does where he, <laughs> before even starting teaching us, he says, how many years are you going to do this before you give up? Oh God. <laughs> and, uh, which is yeah. a very good question. It really uh, is. Ask. I mean, it's, it's tough. And, you know, a lot of people don't, like to think about that kind of thing because it's their dream or it's something they're really passionate about it's yeah. so wrapped up in their identity that it's like i'm i'm never going to give up and there were some folks who were like never i'm never going to and uh i believe i said i said either five or ten years um and i didn't quite know what how long am i going to do it mm-hmm. meant like i didn't know what doing it felt like yeah uh, and then I, that's an innuendo. And then uh, I didn't know. Welcome to Romance Landia. Yes. Thank you for having me. <laughs> and then I also didn't know that like, even once I was doing it, did I want to keep doing that? You know? So obviously that's not something I could have known at the time. I was no. pretty naive, but uh, we were lucky. I mean, we had a lot of opportunities to connect with uh, representatives once we graduated. And Oh, that's great. Um, yeah. I was able to get an agent pretty quick and wow. I also got a VO agent and started booking VO jobs early. Oh, on. you so did. So yeah. VO like uh, commercials. Yeah. Yeah. Know. I did a bank commercial early on. Uh, it was my wow, first that's... year. Yeah. It was great. That's so great. So you never had to like go on cattle calls and all that crap? Not like exactly. I, I got a professional gig in college for, for the summer and I was able to join the actors union, the stage actors union. Yeah. And uh, because of that, you are granted the opportunity to like sign up for auditions and you can just set up a time and go. Um so, so whereas great. yeah where folks have to go to cattle calls is if they just they aren't members of the union or this is all minutia but you know they'll have to go and get in line and yeah, yeah, yeah. even get seen that day it's a really tough life yeah um, so yeah. I'm, I'm very fortunate to have not had you to. are oh that's great so so what kind of theater productions were you in and what were your favorite like plays in and did you do musicals I did. I did do musicals. Yeah. Um, Musicals were often really stressful for me because there's so many factors with like your microphone and music cues and it's, it's tough, but. uh, And you kind of have to dance a little bit. 
Yeah, I do. Yeah. And I'm okay. Like I took dance in school and uh-huh. uh, I, I, but I, I never got like good, good. Um, but I think I was okay enough for certain shows where they were like, Hey, if you, if you can move, come in and audition, you know? Um, yeah. So I did, I did some plays. Plays were always my favorite, just like no music yeah. and just doing the scene. And, uh, yeah. I did a couple little TV spots and a short little bit in a movie. And I, I was talking actually with, um, TJ London recently, cause we were doing oh. her, uh, podcast uh for uh she did like an interview thing for her book and we were talking about just like roles that we often do or that we're typecast in or whether we play heroes or villains and something that I found with especially with stage is I was brought in so much for mean English guys uh and I don't know delicious yeah and it turned out to be really fun and uh there's a question coming up in here from somebody uh, yep asking about dream roles and honestly like anything that fits that bill uh like uh, it's fun for you right is it cathartic or is it even just fun to do in the moment like yeah I don't know about cathartic I mean I I really do as far as enjoying characters I really love heroes like I love um I really admire characters that are really good people and you know have strong convictions and walk the walk but uh when it comes to like playing it and being able to like yeah. express myself. Yeah, exactly. When it comes to like being able to play a mean person or a villain, like the, the, I think the idea behind it is they'll do anything to get the things that they want. Even if it means like inconveniencing other people, they don't really care about the feelings of others. So right. um, <laughs> when you play a villain, you're just, you're so motivated and so gleeful and getting what you want that it's, right, right. it's such a new feeling. Yeah. So it can be pretty fun and kind of empowering sometimes to play those really like dominating personalities. Uh, um, yeah. Okay. So why don't I just, uh, let me just read this question that Emily wrote in. And she said, uh, congratulations on narrating 500 audiobooks. And she loved your performance as the Cheshire Cat and good vibrations and she's wondering uh yeah what your dream role would be to play as an actor which i'm gonna say she means it could be any role including an existing stage role or movie role that someone else's um like already played or like a fictional character that you love like is there anything specific a specific villain that you that you love or just in general yeah no that's a good question um i I think like if uh, hmm. I, mean, I think like a lot of guys my age would be like Hamlet, you know, <laughs> it's such a big part and you get to yeah. do all these like massive array of emotions. And so that would be pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I, it would be cool to be like an evil Jedi or like a Sith Lord kind of <laughs> guy. Like, yeah. Just nerdy, just get really like, villainous and vicious uh be super fun Uh, get to play with a lightsaber that'd be pretty cool and then uh ultimate yeah i uh if i get i get to sing uh, i have kind of a lower voice uh people know les mis playing javert would be really cool oh my god wanted to play javert um okay wow that's not what i was expecting that's amazing Um, what were you what were you expecting 
I wasn't, well, I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't, I guess I never expect <laughs> someone to want to be in Les Mis because to me it's like, it's, the, I literally fell asleep watching Les Mis. Oh, you don't like Les Mis? <laughs> <laughs> it is long, yeah. It's so long it's and it's just people show. being depressed Sad. and in pain and just. <laughs> oh man, that sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess, but I think it's just, well, have you ever just, so have you like read Les Mis, or have you just experienced it like as a? I've never read the book. No, no, I've just I've been in the audience, and I was in for some roles uh, back and forth here in the city uh, for different productions. But no, I've never. Oh, you mean like you auditioned? Yeah, I was. I was being called in when they were doing uh, tours and productions in New York and stuff. Oh wow! Yeah. Um. Okay, that's cool. Good answer. Good answer. Um, so I think I've heard you say that you're you're in a band or do you just jam with your your friends, like your friends that you met? I'm not in a band. No, but I do. I do. Yeah. My friends and I from school, we would often like get together and just some of them are songwriters. Out. So we would all play together. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, I was I had an ex-girlfriend who was in a band. And so whenever we hung out with her and her band friends, we would everybody like part of the experience was you had to like sing a song in order to like contribute to the group just sort oh of wow so i used to do that stuff a lot but uh i mean now especially with pandemic it's it's tough to get together with people but uh i do practice on my own a lot which is uh very hard. and what do you and what instrument do you practice when you're doing that pretty much just guitar Wow. Um. And did you did you teach yourself to play the guitar, or that's something you also learned? In no, I I began. I picked one up to start just learning basic stuff, and I I yeah I I learned like two songs on my own, but it was really stiff and beginner. And then uh, once I moved to New York, I I signed up with a a teacher, and uh, that's how I really learned. Was oh, you took did. Yeah. It, it's so impressive to me that that's. I mean, for anyone who can do music like it's just it's it's another language and I just don't get it like I can appreciate it on every level I just don't understand music I don't and yeah. I to be able to read it and to be able to write the notes and it's sure. just that's amazing to me so it's probably just second nature for you now oh thanks yeah it's uh I, I learned music when I I think I first learned when I was eight and that was your choice? Like you you were just like, I want to learn music. Or yeah, did your mom think, encourage that too? That's a good question. Um, no, I think I think mom tried to make me do piano and I didn't like piano. Ah. Um, but I, I learned against my will. Uh, <laughs> and I, I didn't mother's always right. Yeah, right. I didn't get very good, but I can do basic stuff with piano. But um no, I, we had the option once I reached a certain age in elementary school, we had the option to go like, okay, you can be in the orchestra, you can be in the band, or you can take music appreciation class and not to play any instruments. And I was like, oh, shoot, my dad was a big classical music fan. And oh. uh, there was probably a part of me that was like, yeah, look, mom and dad, I'm playing, you know, and uh, yeah. so no, I, I, that was when I started and I was just at the time the way I perceived it as a kid was, I was like, okay, well, this is just what you do for school. Like uh, playing the recorder. Did you ever play that? Or... I think everyone has to. Yeah. In like it's primary like school. That. How, yeah. That's how I saw like learning violin. I was like, okay, well this year it's the violin year. It's not the recorder year. Okay. <laughs> I, I actually, I actually had a choice. I could have just not done that. Um, but no, I, I grew to really enjoy it. Cause it's, uh, I don't know. It's, it's kind of 
like learning the motions, learning the moves, and you can really feel yourself getting better over time. And it's, yeah. it's satisfying in that way. Yeah. Fantastic. Okay. So here are a few questions from Val. Um, yeah. She had 12 other questions for you that I'm not going <laughs> to inflict on you. She's so cute. Sure. So I'm, So she says, do you realize that your fan base is growing? And because of that, do you feel challenged even more now than before in your job? Which I think is such a cute question. <laughs> She's so That's cute. a great question. Thank um, you, Val. Um, yeah, no, I, I, it's tough to tell in, as far as like fan base. I, I, I'm lucky to get followers on social media, even though I'm, I'm not sure how effectively I'm using all that. You're but good. Thank you. <laughs> I, 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 it's amazing. And it, what makes me so happy is that it, it, it benefits everybody. I mean, authors yeah. are happy to see that kind of thing because, you know, then they'll grant me the opportunity to audition for their books or, you know, they'll just offer me the book and, it, yeah. and I, I get work, you know, and it just helps me continue doing my job. And it seems like <clears throat> people like what's going on and what I'm doing. So um, <laughs> it all, it's, it's just all good things, you know? And, uh, but it, as far as it getting harder, there is a part of me lately that's been like, well, I, I understand that there are, you know, fans who talk about different narrators and stuff and I, I and they go to conventions and things and I I'm like oh, I really should engage more you know right. and I, I should be more present and I I think I'm doing a little better than with that but then it comes and goes in waves sometimes I kind of uh, retreat and I, I don't engage as much um yeah so yeah it's it doesn't get harder though as far as like sitting down in the booth looking at the book and reading once I start getting in there, the job is as easy as it You're ever just has Just doing been. your work, yeah. Yeah, it feels it feels good. So no, it's, it doesn't add much pressure. It's just, uh, I think there's a bit of me being like, oh, y'all are being so supportive. I want to give back a little. Yeah, so speaking of social media, she says, there are many new nicknames for you. And one particular <laughs> lately is hashtag Jason F. Clark. And so if you had to make up a nickname for yourself, what will it be? And I want to point out that uh, I believe JJ Cakes is another one that's been floating JJ around. JJ Cakes. <laughs> oh, man. These are way better than anything I could come up for myself. Um, Jeez. Uh, there was a part of me I was considering for a little bit and considering my turn into actually doing it, um, uh, doing some merch eventually. And, uh, I know I've talked about this before, but I haven't followed through. So I, I hope folks don't take this as like a guarantee, Yeah. but, uh, <laughs> there was a part of me that would do the merch or, you know, whatever word I put on a shirt or something yes. and then put JC. Uh, but then I realized I'm like, that's, that's Jesus <laughs> Christ. And I, I, that's probably not a good thing to conflate, you know. And I, I, I don't. I mean, obviously, I don't think fans would think of that. But it's at the same time, I'm like, I think fans are like exclusively thinking of JC as Jason Clark at this point. Okay, yeah, that's good to know. Okay, but no, I, I, I guess I can't really uh, think of a funny nickname for myself. Otherwise, it's really hard to think of a nickname for yourself. I mean, that's kind oh, of yeah. that's kind of the thing about nicknames is it's other people making give them to, to you. you. Yeah. But so you actually, you already mentioned one of her questions was, have you done voiceover for commercials or cartoons? And you said that you, you did commercials. Have you, have you ever done cartoons or if not, no, what would you to. love to do? Oh, I want to so badly. Um, <laughs> that would be so fun. And that, and it's like I said, I was doing like Ren and Stimpy voices. When yeah. I was a kid. Yeah. Like that's, I loved animation as a kid and I don't, I don't think it ever really stopped. I, I'm not like 
obsessed with like watching like kids shows or anything but i i just love the art of drawing and creating something that moves and the the uh, i think it's a miracle that people can do things like that so you love I, appreciating uh, it or do you draw yourself at all i mean i, I don't tried, not I do you draw drawing. yourself but do you also draw <laughs> yeah right no i only draw myself um <laughs> i i love uh, like i i can't draw i mean it's it's i can do a lot of things okay like mediocre quality the things i can't do at all like probably first grader level and there are probably first graders that are better than me uh, <laughs> drawing and ice skating i cannot <laughs> and, you heard it here first yeah. ladies and gentlemen i'm so bad and drawing i tried um i got a gift a couple of years back because i expressed like oh i want to give it a shot you know as an adult trying you know because in art class as a kid it's just something you have to do and i yeah. always read it but now I was like, you know, let's, I'm going to try it. I saw somebody on the train sketching people and they were amazing. So I was like, maybe I'll try. And I tried and it was so bad, Kaylee. It was so bad. I couldn't do anything. Um, it's a, yeah. it's, I feel like it's something that I, I don't, I think you either have it or you don't. Like I used, yeah. when I was a kid, I used to, I wasn't good at it, but I didn't care that I wasn't good at it. And that was just how I communicated. But when I try now, it's just, the older you get, the less likely you are to continue to do something that you're clearly not good at, right? Which yeah. is sad. It's like, but... why would you, yeah, why would you put time into something that's not yielding any results? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyways, um, so I actually have a surprise little voice message for you for, oh. from someone that everyone loves. Hi, Jason. It's Erin. Um, my daughter's sitting on my lap, so you might hear a peep. Do you want to say hi? Hi. <laughs> there you go. Um, I love you, dude. Thank you for all your amazing work. Um, you killed it as Artie Smarts. Um, and you have my forever gratitude. Oh, oh, that sweet. So nice and my little baby. I and don't her know how girl's there. She's an angel. I I love Aaron so much. And uh I I got to know her. We, we interacted electronically through books early on, and yeah. I think I've probably talked about this in other uh, contexts. But um, we actually met up in real life yeah. with something that had nothing to do with books. Oh. Uh, back in like 2016, I was doing a production at a theater. I was doing a I won't say uh, dox myself, but yeah, I uh, I was doing a show that she was writing a play for that same theater later in their season, and really? she like came by a lot. Yeah, she was coming by to like, and I knew her name was Erin, and then I learned her name was Erin Mallon, and I was like, oh my god, like, and then I like got to talk <laughs> you to fangirled her. Like, her? <laughs> like, I'm, I'm I'm Jason Clark, and she was like, oh yeah. my gosh, yeah. So uh, it was really cool. Um, and then from then on, you know, I've just I seen her in person a lot more and she's had you know had me on to do Artie in her recent book uh and then she's also had me in to just do little readings of oh you know books that she wrote that I wasn't you know a part of the final product but she just wanted to like hear it said out loud and so I would meet oh you with workshopped her. with her that's I did yeah that's me and so Emma great. Wilder uh really? got, to, got to workshop a book of hers I think it was the T-Rex one, the Tyrannosaurus, I think. Oh, yeah. Bubasaurus or something. <laughs> the like Flirtosaurus, that. I think. Flirtosaurus. Yeah. That's what it was. Oh, that's... Yeah, we, we, yeah, it was fun. 
Oh, that's so cool. Well, it must have been so great to finally get to be a part of the cast for These Walls Can Talk. Like, you guys all record it together live on a Zoom, like each scene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we all got together. We blocked out. I mean, she must have blocked out a yeah. more time, but uh, I was, you know, t- I was there for two hours. Oh. And then we just read through the whole thing and I just sat there. Oh, as, you did? You know, oh. waiting to jump in and be like, hello, I'm Artie Smart. Like, and just like play this computer guy and then <sighs> step back and let them do their scenes and just, you know, hang out. So I listened to it the other day and it's just, it's fantastic. And you were honestly, you're brilliant, like as a sexy robot. And it was just, what you did was so complicated, but it just sounded effortless. And you were meant to be the villain, which you obviously love, but you were still, you were like totally enticing and sympathetic. And then there was this T-3000 Jason Clark joke that was very subtle. That was genius on Aaron's part. But so... I mean, you actually just kind of sounded like him just now, but I was going to ask, like, did the sound engineer do something to your track after it was recorded to make you sound more robot-y or did you have some kind of filter or is that just you? Um, I don't think the sound engineer did anything to my voice. Uh, I haven't sat back and listened to it. I heard a clip where they put in some like steam, like mechanical movements because his body is like a machine body. Wow. um, No, I think it was just me i would be surprised if they did some sort of uh after effect because that's, that's kind amazing. of like against the point of the character like but um true yeah i think the goal with Artie, and we don't have to talk too much about Artie, but like uh, no, i want to Artie was just to, yeah like uh, they're designed to these programs are designed to sound pleasant so they're aggregates of actual people's voices and right. they just they're made up by sound engineers so the, all the right it's just going to be this sound and and then I, I uh, like I said, I used to do voices and I would try and do like a bad impression of text to speech programs from back in like the 90s where it's all just stilted talking and it was right. like a party trick of mine. So, yeah, the goal was really? just sound pleasant, but put emphasis on words that don't need the emphasis oh at all. God. And it was just like, it's incredible. Uh, and, I, you know, you hear all these like internet trends of, you know, voice to speech programs just like, uh. you know. When your mom walks in and, you know, it's, it's like this strange <laughs> on the internet, uh, you can just kind of do an impression. I don't know. Just try and make a sound. that's like, it. it's, it's quite, it's kind of easy. You just talk in a way that doesn't make sense and it, yeah. uh, and it works. Yeah. It's about emphasizing certain exactly. words kind of, but that's so interesting. So would eight-year-old Jason Clark have been super stoked to know that future him would one day voice a robot <laughs> oh for <laughs> sure yeah absolutely um would, yeah would he have been more excited if it were a farting ninja robot or <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh, <laughs> that's the dream it's like slam dunk yeah that'd be the dream. <laughs> um yeah i love hearing that you so like i i probably would have assumed that you were just like a serious little boy but it sounds like you were kind of entertaining no, yeah, I uh, I was kind of a wild kid. I played soccer a lot, and Ooh. I uh, I would like scream from the sidelines because I really wanted to win. And I, uh, <laughs> you were intense. Yeah, I was intense, wow. but I I was a nice kid. Like I I was kind of small. I, I I yeah. I I don't know. I didn't get tall till like high school, and um, no, I was not like a brooding like Bruce Wayne little boy. But, uh, <laughs> No, I I was, I think I was a pretty positive kid mostly. 
Well, it sounds like that stayed with you. Um, so, uh, so Jock at the audio flow, she said that she was one of the first to cast you. Was it in an audiobook or in a romance audiobook? I don't know. And she said that she, that you were a little bit hesitant to about like doing the shift to narration at first, and then like I guess Aaron Mallon was probably one of the first to work with you, at least in romance. And Aaron just kind of recommended you to everyone, oh, right? Is that yeah? It was it was though <clears throat> both of those people were very early on. I don't. I, unless Jock was behind the scenes casting me and I didn't interact with her because I, I started awesome. out auditioning through the recording studio that I, but the brick one brick shop. Yeah. Brick shop, yeah. And they, and Aaron went there a lot too. And I often wasn't in touch with any authors. It actually wasn't until yeah like three years in that I actually started getting direct requests from authors yeah. and producers uh, and then I had to like figure out how to do it all on my own, which was a good skill to develop because that's pretty much what I do now. Right. So it could have been possible that Jock was involved behind the scenes and I didn't know. But but even, even then, Jock, I, I met her in person, I think yeah. in 2017, 2018. Oh, okay. So before it became like my big full-time thing, um, I can't quite remember. But uh, yeah, she's been there a long time, Audio Flow and all those wonderful people they've been a big part of my career and Aaron especially yeah she's great so were you doing doing other genres of audiobooks before romance like what was the path to romance no it was right into romance I remember going into audition because I got in touch with a friend of a friend who was a very successful audiobook narrator oh. uh and she was like, hey, go audition at this place. It's just a sound studio. And they were kind of new. And they just would get ACX auditions and oh. filter through them. And they would. And I got there and I was like, hey, uh, I'm interested in auditioning. He goes, okay, just so you know, most of what we do here is romance. Because mm -hmm. that's what's, you know, really big. And it, it's there's a lot of work out there. And I was like, oh, okay. Because uh, I wasn't sure, you know, it's nothing I'd ever done. I had never read a romance novel before. Yeah. I, I think I had read some of Fifty Shades oh. or something and I couldn't get through it. It wasn't my thing. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, it was early on. It was like my first chunk of auditions was like Taboo Unchained, <laughs> Mr. Beautiful by R.K. Lilly. Oh, wow. um, and the Brenna Aubrey gaming the system series. Mm -hmm. And I think I went in and I banged out like five auditions and I, I got like four of them. Gosh, uh, I, I just got really lucky. And uh, they gave me a little couple of notes and they're like, all right, uh, we'll let you know what happens. And I got them. And mm -hmm. then I just uh, went on and did romance. And over the years, people have asked, they're like, do you want to move into other genres? And I was like, Sure, if they want to reach out. But right now, I'm really happy. You know, I'm happy oh, doing good. what I'm doing. So one of the things that I try to ask my narrator guests is, like, do you, are, or are you aware that, do you approach the way you narrate steamy romance books at all differently than you would, than you would a different genre? Like, specifically the sexy times <laughs> i also want to point out that there is a brilliant little section in rise of the machine where you say one line a different way for each genre it was so oh sure. cool <laughs> yeah i that was a tough bit i kind of had to prepare that because i was like okay how because they're not supposed to be good right but they're supposed to or maybe they are and that's what's funny or scary about it like i don't know but i just basically played tried to play like different characters like 
bad guy for mystery, uh-huh. uh, funny guy for romantic comedy. It's uh, really cool to hear. Yeah, I guess. So I, I, when it comes to, and I've done some little brief nonfiction bits and mm-hmm. some like industrials for companies and commercials. And yeah, I, uh, I had a teacher, um, wonderful, uh, acting teacher and he taught me like voice and speech stuff in college um he's what he's who helped me get into like getting a voiceover demo before I graduated and wonderful man and he's he's passed away but um he always described the way he described the one type of read which was like the seduction Mm -hmm. read like if it's a fragrance commercial you know like Uh uh something by Gucci you know he I didn't know how to get down sold sorry yeah right exactly (laughs) but I um before I my voice would go like as low as this Uh I I never understood like the register and when he did it he was able to transform his voice and the way he described it he says it's like whispering in her ear Uh and it took years I didn't really actively practice it because I was doing other kinds of acting but then once I got into the booth and I started really being like Oh, if if I'm really down here and huh. start to kind of read down here, it's like I'm just kind of breathing it out, and and it just came, and so I stick to that for narration, for romance novels, yeah, and uh, that's where I kind of let that live. Um, but mm-hmm. when I'm doing other kind of genres, and even in romance, you know, if I'm reading a scene where the guy's like, I stopped by the house on the way to pick up some mail before I went over to her house. Like, I'm not trying to read a sexy scene, you know what I mean? Like that's more of just my voice, you know, but then once the steamy scenes come in, it just kind of gets really low and whispery and it's, it's a lot of fun. It's so interesting because when I asked Teddy and Emma, they were both pretty adamant that they don't approach narrating sex scenes or romance books any differently than they would any other part is an actor, but Connor is, um, he's acutely aware that he has a specific job to do as a male yeah. romance narrator. It is, and his goal is basically to seduce a listener every time. And I had oh, a feeling sure. that you guys were kind of on the same page there. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's, that's the goal. Connor and I are, yeah, because I'm like, you know, that's what the character's doing in, especially in love scenes, you know. Yeah, they're, yeah. They're, you know, they're... <sighs> it's not fake. I mean, it's just, they're in a mood, you know? So Mm -hmm. when your attitude shifts, you, your, your voice shifts, you know, if you're, if it's, if you, you know, you just got on it, went on a date and, you know, she comes back to your place, it's 1am and you've had a glass of wine and you're chatting and she's right next to you, you know, you're not going to be shouting like this, like, yeah. So I thought this (laughs) this just doesn't make sense. So your attitude, like it's all about that. I think Right. When it comes to love scenes, I, I definitely would agree with Connor in that case that like there's a there's a goal in mind and there's a there's a, a tone that I'm trying to capture, I guess. So when you had to narrate your first steamy scene, was it weird? Did you have to do a bunch of takes? And I guess it sounds like you were working with did you have a director or a sound engineer at that point? Early on, it was. Studio? Yeah, it was pretty much all sound engineers. Um I'd say within a couple of months after like two or three jobs, they taught me how to self-record. Okay. And, uh, but no, early on it was folks were just listening and that's, that's another level of awkward yeah. uh, that doing those kinds of scenes brings. Um, so being able to record on my own was actually uh, sort of like a 
slight weight off my shoulders okay. at that stage because it's like, yeah, because it's just me, you know. I can and and I, it, I don't think it took me a lot of takes, and I don't, I wasn't like laughing in the booth. Um, right. No nervous there, giggling. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Unless there was some like really crazy descriptor that was right. <laughs> something else I'd never seen, and I'm like, what? Uh, but other than that, um, butt plugs. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. But the only, I guess, like the next frontier of of like exposure in that sense is if we're doing like a live record like a round table record mm. and uh you know i'm in the room with you know my female co-narrator and we have to do a sex scene and we have to like get to the climax right. of that that's like <laughs> that's that's only happened twice maybe um was it a lauren blakely thing i think it was <laughs> uh it was me and emma wilder and i i was like wow that is uh that's a, I mean, it's, it's part of the job and we're professionals, but that was, I remember back then I was like, oh man, yeah, that's a, that's something I've ever done before. Um, right. Yeah. Even in acting on camera on stage, like getting intimate, like I'd never like reached that level of like. Yeah. Performing. Well in film, it's like you just do it piecemeal kind of thing. And there's. Yeah. There's a lot of takes and yeah. you know, hidden marks. Cause Shady said that when he first started doing romance books he would spend hours trying to get the sex scenes to sound right because he didn't, uh, he didn't have anyone mentoring him or anything true. did you so did you have anyone who could like I guess I so he was clearly doing it on his own at home from the uh, beginning so if you had so you kind of had someone beta listening like would anybody do the sound engineers give you notes at all in your performance sometimes or does is it always just a technical not really. Yeah. It's almost always technical if they're like, Hey, that sounded weird. Hey, that sentence didn't like the most they'll give is like, Hey, I think the emphasis is supposed to go on that word. And it's right. obvious, you know? Um, yeah. Emphasize cock. In front of me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Always, like really hit that italicized always cock. Hit the cock. Yeah. Um, well, so did, it sounds like you had going into it, you had friends who are already in the business. So did, did they, mentor you at all or give you tips no, when it comes to like romance no um oh. i got i got some tips to like listen to narrators that i thought i sounded like uh so i went on audible and listened to a lot of samples oh wow um, yeah they were like they were it's a pretty good basic level of advice to new vo folks yeah if you really have no idea where where you're going or like how to even approach it a nice little guide is to find a voice that you feel speaks to you, whether it, it fits oh. your identity, feels like it's, oh, I, you know, me and that person would get cast in the same parts. Right. And then find what they do that feels uh, like you can emulate that. And, oh. but I guess, um, I mean, I've got a lot of it is, is just acting training, honestly. Yeah. Uh, a lot of us, train specifically like voice training and acting mm -hmm. and um i'm calling back on a lot of stuff i learned in, learned in yeah. college like uh tonal architecture or uh oh things i've learned from actor friends of mine that uh they're like make sure to play the verbs in the sentence don't right, emphasize right. the pronouns um mm -hmm. yeah but like rise up on commas ask questions when the sentence ends in a question mark things like that oh my god Sounds silly, and it's that's, it doesn't sound silly. It's fascinating. I have never heard the term tonal architecture before. I love <laughs> it. Sounds it. fancy, yeah, but it's just a way to yeah, it's just a way to depict like 
rise up in the sentence. And as the energy goes up and up, you make sure that you reach the end of the sentence like this, you know, it's, it's mm -hmm. you're climbing, climbing a mountain kind of, um, oh. and then you, it helps with pacing and helps keep things interesting. I think that's the goal anyway. So was there a moment that you can recall when you're like, okay, I guess I'm a romance narrator full time now, or did it just <laughs> sort of happen that you just started getting more of these opportunities than anything else? Like, did you have to make a decision? Because like you, like you kind of had to decide if you're going to audition for something that's not an audiobook, right? Like for your schedule, mm -hmm. like. Yeah. Um, that's such a good question. I think there were several decisions that were made in little moments. Um, mm. One of which was the first time I got an audition and someone asked me, do you want to use your pseudonym or your real name? Mm. And I was like, at that point, I had gotten probably 10 books. I mean, I was like a year in. And I, I was like, I mean, I guess I'll just stick with my pseudonym because that's I, I want to do I continue building up that resume right. or do I just try and I mean, ostensibly start over with my real name, which right. according to somebody who searched my name, I had never done an audiobook before. You know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. that name has no audiobook ties to it. Mm -hmm. And uh, so there were little decisions like that, mm -hmm. which I guess like in my head and in my heart weren't decisions to say I am a romance narrator now. Right. But it leads to, it all feeds into eventually getting to the point where I'm turning down part-time work shifts because right. I have an audiobook to record. I'm not going to be able to make that audition because I need to finish this audiobook today. Right. Um, which, and, and then when I learned that I, I wasn't too sad about that, yeah, I, I realized, oh, this is what I should be doing. Yeah. I mean, like for an actor to be in a position to turn down jobs, it's just so rare. I mean, it I think is. really it's such like, a blessing. Yeah. I mean, like outside of voice acting, you usually have to be just a massive star to be in that position. So it's, For sure. it's pretty great. And especially I would imagine when lockdown happened, <laughs> you must have been so grateful uh, that this was. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we're safe. We're, you know, we're not spreading anything. Yeah. And you're, you're locked up in a booth. I mean, I was recording from home for all of 2020, basically, once it hit. Yeah. I think like when I did cast you, like when you auditioned for Charmer, you didn't have a home studio at that point. So you had to build. I was kind of in transition between okay. uh, moving to different places and I wasn't uh. sure what my setup would have been. But okay. by the time, I think by the time that I actually auditioned, I had had a pretty, I wasn't as confident that every sound engineer, every author would like the sound coming out of that new setup. So I think maybe that was uh, part of why I was like, I'm not sure um, if I could do that, but I think it worked out. Oh, okay. Um, so, so it sounds like uh, you and I and Miles Brody all hate summer as a season. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that first page. It just... <laughs> oh, I slipped right into that. <laughs> oh, I it. Oh, so good. But it's like, it, it's probably so much worse for you because you have to work in a booth all yeah. the time and you can't have a fan of any kind in there right right the studio i record at is really great about keeping the ac on oh okay and, uh, yeah i think it's okay but no uh last summer 2021 once yeah. i moved back to new york and i was trying to still record from home 
it was a nightmare. Shirt, so what do you shirt do? Was off and yeah. Do, do you have to try to work early in the morning or like really late at night or? That's what I used your, to do. I was getting okay. up at five um, to get in the booth by five thirty and finish by like maybe ten ten thirty. Uh, okay. And just hang out with my cat on the couch and look nice. at the sunrise. Yeah, wow. it was uh, it was a weird time. And then yeah, once you felt the heat coming in by nine a.m., I'm like, oh, this is not gonna be an easy day. Oh. But once once like the session was done and I like forced myself to stop, that was nice because then I could just go, okay, well I could spend the rest of the day out of that booth just trying yeah. to stay cool. And it was uh, it actually wasn't too bad, but it it just got claustrophobic. And once I got yeah. back to the studio where it was like nice and cool, soundproof, okay. oh, it was, it was an easy decision. When did you start being able to go? Are, are you still going yeah. to brick shop? Is that the, I am. Yeah. They're, they're supposedly about to move. Hmm. Um, they have plans, but um, I started going back in July. So I went seven months recording from home in my, in my closet in a new apartment and then uh started going back to brick shop because there were cons there was construction on my block so i, I oh, had a, an alternative and they were they were doing following sag rules bless them they were not allowing anyone except for one person to enter the studio on any oh, day wow. okay. um there were a lot so there's still rules where you can't share booths so if someone enters a booth and uses mm -hmm. it no one else can use that booth during the day because it's okay. cleaned great um yeah, so they've got a lot of stuff like that, which is wonderful. Um, but but that was tough on my schedule because I'm like, hey, can I come in today? They're like, no, right. someone else is recording. It's like, well, I guess this book's going to be late, you know, okay. some stuff. Okay, so let's talk about good vibrations. So we finally yeah. got your Miles book, and yeah. a lot of a lot of ladies had been very impatiently waiting for this one. And it's so funny because I remember when Danny was editing Attachment Theory, and she kept messaging me when she was working on. The chapter where Miles takes Dylan to the dive bar towards the end, and Miles gets drunk and kind of depressed, and he's like really sweet, and you kind of sang a little bit, and you get a hint of this woman that he's pining over. And Danny kept telling me that she cried when she heard it, and she kept telling me, "You're gonna cry, you're gonna die, you're gonna love it so much." And I was just dreading listening to it because I knew that I was gonna have to write two completely different novels with Connor before I got to the Miles book. And then I listened to it and I was like, God damn it, Jason Clark, what did you do? Because you just, <laughs> you nailed that scene to the wall and you did the thing and you Aww. set up the next book and the hero so perfectly. And I just, I knew that women were going to complain when they found out how long they'd have to wait Aww, until your book. No. And they did. They complained. <laughs> but, um, you know, but here we are. And it was, are. it was worth the wait for most people, I think. And, and. And I mean, people really love the audiobook a lot. And, and I just flipped out. Like, I just, I knew the narration would be great, but there were just like so many moving pieces and it just all somehow magically came together. Yeah, it was a big project. In the end, it really was. And I, I mean, so I, I think that the prologue for this book was probably one of the most monologue-y things that I've ever written mm -hmm. in a romance novel. And it kind of really eases the reader into Miles's brain and it's like bam here's who this guy is did you feel that way when you yeah read it yeah it felt there was such character to the narration to the prose itself it wasn't just descriptions of where the person was um i i mean i'm gonna i'm gonna hijack this a little bit but i gotta tell you kaylee i 
it's going to sound like I'm blowing smoke, but I, I loved this book so much. Mm. And I love Miles as a character. He's so fun to read. Oh. And that first scene when he sees Arya. Yeah. I mean, it felt like it's corny as hell. It felt like it was like a Beach Boys fantasy, yeah. almost music video thing, like, but brought to mm. life. Yeah. Um, I loved it i loved the tone of it i loved her introduction without saying a word she just shows up and it's yeah. just that's the girl and i uh i mean i could talk for a long time about this but i uh i just want to know like what was your was that the first scene you wrote i mean like did you write this I out did, of order? i no, i actually wrote i i used to when i wrote screenplays i don't know if you know that i used to be a screenwriter so i oh, used to okay. love writing screenplays out of order i would kind of always yeah. jump around to my favorite uh parts that I was looking forward to writing and then I would deal with the other stuff later but I started writing um novels uh I write them in order I kind of have to and so yeah I yeah. just and I always spend more time um on the first several chapters because I'm just figuring out the tone of the book and who these characters are and everything but I just I don't know I just kind of had a vision and a lot of it was I was listening to Good Vibrations this song Mm -hmm. um while I wrote it so that was part of the inspiration but also you know I lived in LA and the actual experience of being on a beach in LA it's like I mean I tried to weave in the reality of it too with like the smells and everything. like it's yeah, not yeah. it doesn't it's not like being in I don't know the Caribbean or anything it's not the same experience like there are yeah, yeah. there are marine <laughs> marine aromas and stuff like that and so and I was kind of um I was actually uh, recovering from burnout for the first time in my life when I wrote this because uh, I had a very stressful beginning of the year. And so I found that I totally relished uh, just giving Miles all my grumpiness. And it was so much fun for me to do that. But also, I don't know, I guess it is. You know, I say I don't understand music, but to me, uh, I guess the the writing of sentences is very musical and lyrical. Mm -hmm. And I think that I really just got into this rhythm for Miles. And I had your voice in my head, of course. Mm -hmm. um, and that really, it helped. I don't know. It all just, it worked. And I think once I finished that prologue, I was like, okay, I know what this book is going to be. Um, yeah. So... Yeah, I'm really glad. Um, another it. question with that scene. Yeah. And this is this might be a reader finding meaning where there wasn't intentional meaning, but um, her bathing suit, <laughs> I think is, it, it's like orange and blue. Yeah. And the cover of the Beach Boys album is orange and blue. Oh my God, I didn't Was know that. that. Yeah. I didn't know that because... So, send a picture or something but yeah oh no that's amazing I mean that's the kind of thing that sometimes just happens I don't know I I might maybe I knew it because I obviously I did look at it because I was listening to the song but it didn't really register but um yeah. but yeah I did make sure just because there was a line about how he loves the colorful clothes that she wears and I just wanted yeah. that little detail that she was wearing 
Ah, Certain okay. colors. That's so funny. Yeah. Now it's. I think it's the best of album that has the red or the the blue oh, okay. and orange. But I think Good Vibrations might be Pet Sounds, so that might it be is. incorrect. But um, oh, it is. Uh, so anyway, there is an album cover that's orange and blue. So I yeah, just, but that has like a beachy feel to it anyway. Um, oh well, they all do. Yeah. Yeah, obviously, but I mean, her bathing suit. And, like, oh yeah, it's very. Uh, yeah, I love yeah. It. Anyway, I love that. And uh, before we go on, I gotta say. Um, I did a book last year, I think it was a Jolie Day book mm-hmm. where the heroine, I, I was asked a question during a live, like, if you could pick like, are there any heroines that you've really felt where was like a dream girl, like an ideal girl yeah. or something like for you, like what's your type, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it was this girl in this Jolie Day book that I just read who I really just loved. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh man, she's like kind of my type. And her name was Aria. And then I read this book. And I was like, hey, that's my favorite girl. And her name's Aria. So, so Aria is me. specifically your type. That's so I funny guess. because I actually saw, because I had already started writing this when, um, when I, I guess when the audiobook came out and I saw you posted something or somebody posted something about it, I was like, oh shit, there's another Aria Jason Clark book. But I was like, I'm not changing it. It's so perfect for her character. But I think that, you know, all romance authors, we probably all have the same, you know, we all Google the same things. It's like romantic. I think I I think I actually specifically was looking for like hippie girl names or something like Uh, that or beach or Malibu beach girl names or something like that. But uh, oh, that's so funny. Yeah, there's a bit where they're I think it's the scene in the kitchen uh, where they first hook up and uh, (laughs) He says, why is that toe ring so hot? And yeah. then she just, she flat out just says, it's hot because I'm hot. Yeah. And, I, and I think in the booth, I went, God damn. Um, <laughs> it was like really good. I mean, I'm just, I guess I'm becoming like a fan, uh, like a room, like a, like another reader, I guess. I was just like, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. um, This is thrilling for me. Yeah. Um, okay. Well noted. Good to know. Yeah. Um, well, so, but one thing I'm dying to know is you're so good at doing grumpy and I mean, oh, okay. you have, but you seem like, you seem like a very even tempered person. Like, do you ever get grumpy in real life or are you just really good at acting and it's just fun for you? Cause you kind of oh, touched I, upon I, that. I get grumpy for sure. Um, yeah. especially in New York post pandemic. Yeah. Something's changed where <sighs> I just, I'm so over anybody. Like I'm not grumpy all the time. Uh, folks might disagree but um <laughs> before that I, I was actually pretty yeah pretty even keel and you know just kind of was able to let things roll off my back but um mm-hmm. lately especially with like riding the train and uh, summers in new york and just yeah. people uh yeah i get i get pretty grumpy uh so that that first like i said that first page with miles <laughs> like, yeah man i, I hear you are your are your moods affected at all by the books that you're working on like when once you get out of the booth, like if you're doing a dark romance, does it take a while to get out of that headspace or you um, just leave it in the booth? No, it's, it's pretty easy to leave in the booth. Um, I will say if I'm, it's more that if I'm having a challenge, like really making the book work, like if, if, if I'm having to stop and start a lot, mm. um, if, if there's a long stretch of time where I'm, maybe I've got other stuff on my mind and I'm just not engaged. Um, 
that's when I'll kind of like need to step away and be like, oh man, I'm having a rough day. Okay. And it will kind of affect my mood, but mm-hmm. no, I, I won't like. It's not the characters. It's just you're frustrated. No. Yeah. It's, yeah. if it's like a murder novel, unless I'm like a, there was one series I did. Um, uh, this book called Intensification where I, I did, I voiced a serial killer. So every chapter mm-hmm. of his was just this deep dark mean stuff and uh that that kind of makes me feel a little gross i'm like Ugh. um <laughs> but no for the most part i'm i can read a you know novel where somebody's having to shoot somebody to save the one they love and then right. novel where someone's like a baker and i'll have the same kind of day yeah okay that's good to know. Um, so one of uh, one of Jody's questions was, "Did Miles turn out the way you expected him to?" And it, and it sounds like you liked him as a oh yeah character. So that's great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he's he's fascinating to me. I, I really loved his the flaws he has mm-hmm. with how he his default is to kind of spoil his daughter. Yeah, and he's not great at taking advice or. And, and he believes that he can just pay Arya to just kind of get what he wants. And right. He fits into this world of, of men in L.A. who, yep. as far as I know, I'm, I'm not involved in the L.A. industry, but as far as I know, you know, they, they, they pay to have their kids become, become stars, you know? Yep. Um, and he's, and I, I really admire that you unabashedly are like, I'm going to make him one of those people <laughs> and then make him a character in this book and, and navigate that uh and find a way to make him lovable so i i yeah i really uh liked where he went good so were you and she also said were you surprised by how i wrote the miles and aria story um um yeah i mean surprised in a in a a fun way way. i mean it's uh (laughs) yeah just like the scenario of her being next door yeah and the uh obviously I've forbidden romance is like a big that's like my favorite trope I guess mm-hmm. and that, this kind of slips into that a little bit um and yeah I guess uh Arya is a surprising character she's she's kind yeah. of like uh not a not a wild card but she's she is very in touch with what he what she wants and yeah she's also in touch with what he wants uh mm-hmm. and she's very smart and able to kind of like take risks and sort of throw caution to the wind mm-hmm. um so in that way she's very surprising so uh, their scenes were always like oh man what's gonna happen <laughs> um so jody also wanted to know if you surf oh i wish i wish i was that cool yeah same here um yeah no i i loved going to the like the beach and jumping in the ocean as a kid um but no i could never surf i guess that's that add that to the list ice skating surfing and drawing i can't do it okay so michelle sutton would like to know uh have you ever said the word poopy head as many times as you did in good vibrations if ever and was it possible <laughs> not to smile each time you said it <laughs> um yeah i think i had to no I, i've never said it that much i've, I've never at all um <laughs> I had to kind of do it dead, like dead serious, I think, to make it funny, I guess, or to like make it fit. Mm -hmm. Um, So I guess uh, that was 
I guess it was kind of the opposite. I, I, I didn't have a hard time uh, with smiling through it. Have you ever gotten paid to tell a fart joke any other time than in one of my audiobooks? <laughs> Never. No. Not yet, anyway. I've... Hopefully this will start a trend. I'm trying to I'm trying to start a uh, like a, a a trope or a subgenre, a tiny subgenre yeah. of of steamy romantic be. fart joke rom-coms. Um I'll have to be a ninja. Yeah. Yeah. That's even more niche. Um so but but you're so you're so good at doing little kid voices and um you didn't really get to do that in this one but you were so convincing as this Aww. loving devoted dad and Thank I'm you. like do you have little kids in your life that you Um yeah. Often? Yeah, I grew up uh, I my mother is the oldest sibling of her family uh and she's the oldest of six. So that's the same as my my mom uh, is the oldest of actually nine. <laughs> oh my God. So I had uh I mean I have a lot of aunts and, and cousins. A too. lot of cousins. That's, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I don't know if this if you would feel the same about this, but I feel like growing up and going to all these family functions, we all lived very close together. Mm -hmm. I, you know, all through my I mean, I'm 31 and all through the years, there's still little kids. Yeah. And from the beginning, there were little kids. And yeah. it was, I was always around them, always, you know, kind of needing to watch them a little bit, you know, go out and play with them or, you know, mm -hmm. help them do like make food or like and, and serve them food and whatever. And uh, so I think it helped me kind of pick up on the attitude of the sort of like single minded, I want that attitude that right. kids have. Right. And, uh, so when I play a kid, I guess there's just, there's no room for, um, I don't know how to describe it. I, I think my goal with kids is to simplify the intention. It's mm -hmm. whenever, if, if the kid is asking a question that they, they need it now, um, right. or the sense of urgency, they're like, no, I don't want that. Like, it's just as simple as can be, uh. you know, so to really like distill everything. I think that's, uh, the way that I approach it. That's such a, were you able to hear how Mackenzie voiced Macy before you started recording? Yeah, yeah. I think I had to. Yes, I, I listened to a bit of her files. Good. She, it's so good, right? Like I, she has that, yeah. uh, for Macy especially, she had that, um, like everything's just so intense and important and high stakes and, yeah. and sad. It was so heartbreaking. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so do you watch Yellowstone? Did you get no. the... So you didn't get the, I'm going to take you to this train station reference. You had no idea what that was. I'm you just sorry. played it. No, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, yeah, that's a, a character from Yellowstone that I was referring to. But anyways, so here's a question from Allison. She, uh, so she thinks she remembers you saying you usually do most of your narration in a single take and you don't have many bloopers. She said, did any of Good Vibrations trip you up? Either the words themselves or made you laugh and she thinks uh if you did all of that without cracking up at least once she's impressed because uh there are a lot of lol moments thank you allison <laughs> oh thank you allison um i don't do my stuff in one take uh i guess regarding like laughing or having bloopers there's yeah i i rarely will laugh at a book as i'm reading it um, right. and and i'll rarely create a blooper uh just by the nature of how I record, I, mm -hmm. if I make a mistake, like misread something, I just go back and restart uh, where I made the messed up. Um, but good vibrations, yeah. I mean, I, I mentioned earlier uh, that 
the steamy scene got me. I was like, God damn. Like, <laughs> I, I was like, that is really good. Uh, and then made me laugh. Um, yeah, I, there were some, some of the text bits too. I won't say that I was like laughing out loud at my own delivery or anything, but, um, needing to like get to the place where I could hopefully make the comedy land because Miles' texts are so sort of grumpy right. and sardonic where everyone <laughs> right. else is just messing with him. Um, that was a good time. And that took me a lot of trying to be like, okay, how can I land that? Like it feels uh, organic. And then the the singing bits. You uh, laughed a little yeah. when you're singing the I Want song at the end and, and yeah. he kept it in. Danny kept it yeah. in. It was just so oh, wonderful. I loved yes. it. Oh, I'm glad I'm glad that you liked that and that it, it worked for the scene. Oh my god, um, it totally did. Yeah, I just uh because he's like, you know, I mean, he's such a he's a smart man. Like he's not yeah. he's not so not self-aware that he would write a song and then get up and perform it completely seriously and sincerely. He knows that he's being kind of uh, out there and he's right. putting her in this funny situation and he's just having a good time. Like he's, uh, I think that's kind of the, what I was going with there. So yeah, um, it was, it was perfect. It was so perfect. So like, how did you and Mackenzie work out the, I want song at the end? Um, I'll have to look at our emails, honestly. Um, I listened to her audio cause she recorded first. She did. Okay. Yeah. So, so I you just tried with- to match Yeah, I tried to keep as consistent a key as I could. um, And uh, I tried to sort of get the gist of what her melody was. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then she, she was great. She was sending me a lot of stuff like that uh, cannot have been easy to do. (laughs) No, it it wasn't. I think it was more like, I think I'm just gonna make this choice. And right. if it's bad, y'all can email me and right. be like, hey, let's uh, let's rework this because it's not working. Um, but yeah, I think I think Mackenzie's really talented. And yeah. uh, I, I've, you know, worked on music a lot and I'm, I'm kind of good at making up melodies, I guess. And I just kind of just joined her where she was. And I, okay. I, I tried not to focus too hard on trying to make it sound like this great song like I wasn't trying to write yeah 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 like this this bang you know banger God, you like, know oh, I wish that I knew going into it that you had this background in music because I <laughs> I um I didn't want to bother you because we were just at that point just kind of messaging on IG yeah. sometimes and like I you know I te- Mackenzie and I are quite close and so I text her a lot. And so I asked oh, okay. her if she would be okay with um, coming up with a melody. So I just kind of figured you would follow her lead. And if I had known that you could also do that, I probably yeah. would have had a lot more fun yeah. with writing It'll, it. But oh, well, next time. No, for sure. Yeah, next time. Um, <laughs> and the song also, I, I, it got like, a, I got like a sense of that love is an open door a bit. That's exactly right? like what that's, I was listening kind of to over point. and over yeah, again. Yeah, they're like, with you, with you, with you. Like, that's sort of the Yeah, sort and of I, I guess I, I was listening to it so much. I was like, God, is there any other way to do it besides to that melody? Yeah. <laughs> but they <laughs> da, 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 figured da, da, it out. Da, da. Yeah. yeah, it's such a fun song. I love that song. Um, so, so Yael had a question. Is there a character that you narrated and thought, I wish I were like him? That's a great question. Um there's certainly, I don't want to be a bummer. There's certainly characters where I'm like, gosh, I wish I had that like 
happy family a mm. little bit. Like I, I love my family and we're, and we are close, but um, we're geographically not close. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you know, as we age, we develop sort of different adult relationships with our families. And, yeah. uh, you know, in these books, it's so often that they're, these wonderful celebrations of loving families who, for the most part, uh, stick together and are maybe in the same geographic area and they help raise each other's kids and they have pool parties. The small and, town romance, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really lovely. And I, I absolutely, when I see characters who have that, I know that I would really love to have that. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's flashes of it in my life. And so the way that I kind of, see it in these books is like that's the celebration of those rare moments in life when you're all together and everything's kind of perfect um so i guess yeah i wish i were like them uh there's certainly characters like uh i keep referring to him early in my career i voiced adam drake in the uh gaming the system series the brenna aubrey books and he's yeah he's a gamer he's yeah right He's a billionaire gamer who okay. gets to, he has a you know hot wife and they play video games together. Um, sure. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. So <laughs> I guess I was kind of like that, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of characters I read where I'm like, thank God I'm not like that guy. Right. <laughs> yeah. Cause a lot of them are jerks and uh, yeah. usually they learn and they, you know, become more compassionate by the end, but for uh-huh. the most part, they're sort of established as these, as these guys that uh, they struggle with communicating, you know? Yeah. So I want to, I'm going to surprise you with this. So a fan who goes by Terry Ann, the book addict on Instagram oh, had yeah. a really funny uh, anecdote that she wanted me to share with you. So she said, picture this, you get an email alert that book signings are back on. Not only are your favorite authors going to be there, but your absolute favorite male narrator, Jason Clark, will be signing as well. Your palms get sweaty, your heart pitter-patters, and you get all the swoons. You decide that you're going to get yourself a ticket, book a room, and plan an eventful weekend of meeting new friends, authors, yeah. and Jason, while also spending time with your fiancé in Philly. I've got everything booked, and during dinner, I surprise my love with this trip. I tell him about the authors, all the books, and of course, Jason. My fiancé slowly picks up his napkin, wipes his mouth, and says to me, which weekend in November did you say this was? She said, November 13th, and it's so close to my birthday. We can all go out and do these great city things. And she's just naming the stuff that she could do. Thanks, Google. And he says, uh, you do realize that's the day of our wedding, right? You just sat here swooning about meeting another man instead of going to our wedding. (laughs) (laughs) isn't that amazing you just like so she had to get out of her uh indies invade philly 2021 uh, she had to get out of her wedding she said no well i think she probably (laughs) thought well which one is going to be better for me in the long run so but she sent a picture of her and her husband dancing and having fun at their wedding it was so cute but like you melt women's brains jason that's the sweetest oh well (laughs) Terry, I, I'm glad you had your wedding. I'm glad it all went well. Um, I'll, I'll, pro- I'll hopefully be signing books again, and I hope it works out that we can finally meet. You'll have to remind me that you know you had to make. You're the one who place. almost ditched your husband for me. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> that's hilarious. I feel so bad. You know, that's it. I feel. I wish you know all of it could have worked out. Um, 
you know, I, I, but I, I'm so glad that she's excited about that kind of thing. And, yeah. And kind of well, so um, a number of women are very disappointed that because we just found out that you're not going to be attending Book Bonanza. I know that year. was very recent. Yeah, yeah, I was just it just all came to a head where I was like, I it's it's getting so close and I, I, I needed know. to make the decision. Um, yeah, I just I won't be able to make it to Book Bonanza. I, I have not been to Texas and it's I would love to go. But uh, I've just got too much going on in July, unfortunately. Yeah, there's a lot. And you're going to Vegas, right? I'm I'm planning more and more. I don't have everything booked, but um, we, Aaron was talking about having like a live reading and stuff. And Well, uh, it's, she's I'm, not just talking about it, dude. It's a thing. Yeah, so you kind of have to be no, there. <laughs> totally like yeah. So I'm like, okay, am I going to... Maybe I'll maybe I'll zoom in or something if I can't. But oh. I think I think uh, the goal is to is to make it work. Okay, good. Well, so do you have time? Are you interested in doing that summer can go fuck itself iterations? Did you see that part? Yeah. So like, sorry. So, um, so Emily asked if you can perform just like the first line of Good Vibrations. Summer can go fuck itself. Um, in like yeah. all the different accents that you can do, just off the top of your head. <laughs> Okay. Um, we'll see if this works. I'm probably going to be uh, too too self-conscious to, uh, I don't know. <laughs> All right. Summer can go, summer can go fuck itself. Summer can go fuck itself. Summer can go fuck itself. Uh, summer can go fuck itself. Summer can go fuck itself. Um, summer can go fuck itself. Uh, summer can go fuck itself. <laughs> uh, summer can go fuck itself. Uh, summer can go fuck itself, bro. Um, <laughs> yeah, I get off the top of my head. Those are probably, that's probably all the accents I can do. <laughs> Did you read when you read the part where you had to like do all those different like read the Jabberwocky and all those different accents. Did you, did you, did yeah. it occur to you that I was just like doing that on purpose because I just wanted to hear you say all that stuff? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Like, oh, I, Kaylee. Yeah. And then I got pickups on it and I was like, oh God, I got to get right back in. Oh that. no, really? Um, yeah. That's evil. Was, I pronounced one of the words wrong. It was. Uh, well, they're made up words. They're Who not cares? real words. I know. I think it was sl- slivy. I, I said slivy. Um, yeah, oh, right. we do slidey toes. Right. Uh, yeah, but growling the Jabberwocky. I mean, I haven't read the Jabberwocky since elementary school, probably. So it's oh. uh, it was a blast from the past. Okay. Well, um, look at that. I got you uh, in under 90 minutes. I'm such a pro. Yeah. So Dude, you're going to... so fun. I was looking forward to this so much. I uh, Yeah, me too, for like a year and a half now or something. Yeah. <laughs> so this is yeah. so great. Um, and... Uh, so now you're gonna have a weekend. Um, Where did yeah. you go? Oh. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yes, I, I thought there was more to the sentence. No, that's um, it. That was like yeah. literally all I have for you. <laughs> a weekend, yeah. or do you work? I guess my question is, do you ever work on the weekend? I do work on the weekend sometimes, and I yeah. actually will be working tomorrow just because I, I took today off. Um, okay. Yeah, the plan was that I was going to do the podcast from the booth, but I needed to get into work early. Didn't get into work early. Swapped my time till tomorrow. So um, I'll be finishing up a book tomorrow. Uh, do you do – one last question that you probably get all the time. Like, do you do a book a week? Or are you up to two books now? Or I... Oh, yeah. Definitely at 
at least two. If I'm really wow. pushing uh, and like I'm really late on something, then I'll try and squeeze in maybe three if I can. But it's Gosh. it's pretty much two be- two books a week. Yeah, two That's weeks impressive. a book. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, I loved talking to you, and you're so much less of a an enigma to me now. And oh, I'm glad. Yeah, <laughs> no, I love talking with you. Are you going to be at any uh, cons this year? Well, I, I mean, I'm going to be at Book Bonanza, and that's the oh, only one this no. year. Um, and then, no, next. I'm sorry. Yeah, I know. I was totally looking forward to meeting. I was, I was very nervous. I'm still kind of nervous about Book Bonanza, and I'm just, uh, sure. I'm just like, I've just resigned myself to coming home with COVID because I exactly. honestly don't know how. Yeah, I won't uh, be able. That's that's partially the reason. It's just I have to limit my travel just based on what I've got. Planned you should. No, honestly, it's yeah. just it's not worth it. I don't think yeah. for uh, for narrators because you literally that's your job is your voice. Yeah. And so, sure. um, but yeah, and then I'm actually gonna I'm gonna be in Chicago next year. I don't know if that is a. I don't oh. think they have a narrator component to that yet, but. Um, Okay. But yeah, I'm, yeah. So Book Bonanza is going to be my first ever signing. Um, okay. So well, I'm congratulations. Sure I'll get into it yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Um, yeah. But anyways, I loved this. Thank you so much for your time, and uh, yeah. And we'll talk again. Let's keep in touch. Absolutely. Uh, my pleasure being here, Kaylee. Thanks for having okay. me. Okay. Thanks. Bye. All right. Bye. And now, here is a long 12-minute clip from the Good Vibrations prologue, which we talked about. In this, you will hear Jason and Emily Wuzeller as Clara, and only a hint of Mackenzie Cartwright as Aria. And I just want to say that Mackenzie Cartwright is incredible throughout this book as Aria, Macy Brody, and Mama Brody, but especially as Macy. I've uh, already had Mackenzie on the podcast a few times, and I'll be doing a panel with her at Book Bonanza in July, so we'll talk about how we collaborate as author and narrator there. Good Vibrations is book three in the Brody Brothers series, and the books are all standalone stories that you don't have to listen to in order. Uh, There are crossover characters, though, from the other Brody books as well as from the Name and Light series, which is Sleeper, Charmer, and Troublemaker. It just depends on how you feel about reading about characters who are already in their HEAs. So please listen to Good Vibrations, and here is a 12-minute taste of one of the many reasons why it is so awesome. Prologue. Miles. Three totally fine and not at all depressing years ago. Summer can go fuck itself. This is such a bullshit season. Like we need more sun in Los Angeles. Summer in LA just means more tourists, which means more traffic. Which means it could take an entire hour if I drive from Malibu to my office in Westwood now. I should never take breakfast meetings more than a few miles from work, but this guy was one of the first clients I signed back in the day. And now 5% commission on his next project alone is half a million. And people say I'm not sentimental. This means I can afford to pull into the Zuma Beach parking lot and wait until after 10 before getting back on the PCH. It means I can afford to pay 75 cents to park here for 30 minutes. It means I'm definitely going to make it onto the Hollywood 30 under 30 power list in the lawyer category this year. 
It means I can sit here in my car with the AC on and catch up on emails on my phone. I can have my assistant roll calls. It means I can do whatever I want. I don't have to check in with anybody if I don't want to. Which is really fucking sad. But I'm not going to think about that. I turn off the radio because the NPR show is over and this eclectic new music show can kiss my classic rock ass. I'm going to listen to Led Zeppelin here in my BMW. Going to California and then I rock out to Whole lot of Love and no one's here to complain about it and that is what I will focus on. That is a good thing. I don't need to be told how ridiculous it is to keep the windows rolled up when I'm at the beach. Fuck the ocean air. I don't know what kind of algae or sea lions or crustaceans or decomposing fish are going to assault my olfactory system as soon as I open the window. I know exactly what it smells like in here. Clean. Leather. Versace pour hum. A hint of salsa from the breakfast burrito I devoured. A little black coffee aroma. Money. This is the air I want to breathe. I pop an Altoid into my mouth, because salsa is not my vibe, and now the minty freshness makes everything in here perfect. I remove my phone from its cradle and turn off Do Not Disturb mode. As soon as I see the text notification from Clara, I regret not waiting until I got to the office to check my phone. At the office, I am always on my game. At the office, there are always distractions. At the office, I'd have excuses to delay the emotional avalanche that's coming to crush what's left of my soul. But there it is, the text that I knew was coming. Clara. Hey, you. Smiling face emoji. Happy one-year anniversary of the finalizing of our divorce. Smiling face emoji. You okay? Am I okay? Am I in the mood to celebrate the death of love? To celebrate seeing my only child every other week? To celebrate a few months of mindless, angry screwing of women I barely knew, followed by months of angry celibacy and the kind of workaholism that even workaholics look at and go, whoa, dude, you need to take a break? I'm not good. I'm not happy. I'm not brokenhearted anymore. I don't feel much of anything except when I'm with our daughter. But I am okay. My ex-wife knows all this. She may not want to live with me, but she still gets me like no one else. And I still get her too, whether she wants to admit it or not. Because I knew that text was coming. Me. Yeah, I'm okay. Happy divorce anniversary. How are you? Good, thanks. Was just thinking about you and wanted to check in. Macy's still in bed, believe it or not. Yeah, it was impossible to get her to sleep those first couple of nights after summer break started, but then she crashed hard. Kindergarten took a lot out of her, poor thing. You think she's okay? I do. She's just... Macy. Being Macy. I guess. Listen, there's something I need to talk to you about. Nothing bad. We should talk when you come to pick her up. Can you get here a few minutes early tomorrow evening? My stomach clenches, and it's not because of the breakfast burrito. I know. I already know that when she answers the door to the house I used to live in with her and Macy, there will be an engagement ring on her finger. She's been claimed by the architect. 
and I know he makes her happy. And I can't even feel angry about that because I want her to be happy. I always did, even when I forgot to show her just how much. Me. Sure, see you then. Have a great day. You too, XX. I don't know why I never noticed how fucking sad this song is. Fuck you, Zeppelin. I turn off this depressing song about a girl with love in her eyes and flowers in her hair. A woman who doesn't exist. Or maybe it's about Joni Mitchell, but it's about the idea of Joni Mitchell. And the idea of a woman is not the same as a real woman whose eyes inevitably fill with disappointment and resentment, even though everything you do is for her and the tiny person you made together. Fuck you, phone. I'm going for a walk on the beach. I open the door and tuck the hems of my Zegna pants into my socks. I'm not going to take off my shoes and risk stepping on broken glass or a seashell. It may not stink as bad as it could out here, but I do not trust sand. Nobody should. My jacket's in the trunk, and nobody better fucking break in while I'm gone. I lock the car, feed the parking meter, and walk down to the long, wide stretch of beach. I don't care if anyone sees me with my pants tucked into my socks like an old Italian man. I'm not going to know anyone here, and no one will notice my socks when they see me in my mirrored aviators. It's a beautiful morning, if you like an endless blue sky and a warm breeze. At least it isn't crowded yet. There are a few other people walking or running, and a group of tanned adults playing volleyball, but most of the parked cars around here belong to the people in wetsuits out on the water. Who has time to surf first thing in the morning on a weekday? Trust fund kids, that's who. Unemployed actors. People who drive a convertible Mercedes from the mid-80s and use duct tape to secure a broken bumper to the back of their car because they can't afford to get it fixed. Because they're too busy catching the perfect wave. Whatever. Clara always thought I was too judgmental, even when we first started dating back in the dark ages. Where's the song about a girl who recognizes how astute you are and praises you for consistently being right about idiots and assholes? I forgot how much I hate walking on sand, but I don't want to sit down, and I don't want to go back to the car yet. I turn to face the ocean, and the first thing I see is a mirage. Surely I can't trust my eyes or this sudden quickening of my pulse. A girl, a young woman. A beautiful woman child emerges from the sea. A long, wavy mane of blonde hair that the sunlight plays upon. Tight little dancer's body in a black, blue, and pink wetsuit. She probably isn't actually moving in slow motion, but she's so graceful it looks that way. She can't be much more than a hundred pounds, but she carries her board under her arm with ease the way starlets carry tiny dogs around on the patios of overpriced cafes. She looks calm, but exhilarated. So, so happy and satisfied. She stops next to a bag and a towel, jamming the board into the sand upright. She doesn't seem to be with anyone else, and she appears to be totally at ease on her own as she surveys the beach. She unzips and peels off her wetsuit down to her waist, revealing a turquoise blue bikini top. Angels sing. Or maybe it's the ocean breeze ringing in my ears, but 
I'm witnessing the real-life California girl equivalent of Anita Ekberg dancing in the fountain in La Dolce Vida. She isn't strutting around, she isn't beckoning me to join her, hasn't even noticed me. But I can't look away. I'm staring and I don't even care. She wouldn't be able to tell what I'm looking at behind my sunglasses anyway. There is something so familiar about her and entirely foreign at the same time. Who am I kidding? She's probably an actress, but I can't place her. She bends forward to pull the wetsuit down to her ankles. She's wearing bright orange bikini bottoms. Bright colored clothes don't usually catch my eye, but I really like what I'm seeing. She steps out of the wetsuit, unselfconsciously adjusts her bikini, and then she turns around. And I see God. That bikini bottom exposes most of her taut little bubble butt, and I want to drop to my knees and thank her for giving me this moment. I don't care about getting sand on my $500 pants. I don't care about structuring multi-million dollar deals for creative assholes. I don't care about anything but this magical amphibious creature before me. I don't even care if she thinks I'm judgmental or hates my music. I just want to make her laugh and kiss her and come all over her perky tits and buy her a pretty dress. I would buy her a house on the beach this afternoon if she let me squeeze that ass. Jesus. Whose thoughts are these? I don't squeeze strangers' asses. Not on a public beach, anyway. Not on a work day. I'm about to turn and walk away when the surfer girl finally looks my way, right at me, and smiles. Her smile is that first sip of freshly squeezed orange juice on a morning that I wasn't ready to face. I give her a little nod. She seems amused by me keeping her eyes on me as she pulls on a pair of baggy jeans that sit low on her hips. If she weren't looking at me, I'd walk away. But she wants me to know she's clocked me. She wants me to stay right where I am, and I'm going to. I unbutton the cuffs of my dress shirt, roll them up to expose my forearms, and then slide my hands into my pockets so I can surreptitiously tighten them into fists a few times to make them look more veiny. She tosses a few things into her slouchy bag, slings it over a shoulder, and then picks up her board and walks toward me, still holding my gaze, still smiling. This is Mackenzie Cartwright, also known as the official voice of Kaylee Loring's Lady Parts, Multiple Eargasms with Kaylee Loring is produced by Elysian Nightfall Studios and The Audio Flow. To learn more about your host, you can visit www.kayleeloring.com. Thank you for eargasming.